0: Um, okay, is this thing on? Whoo, okay. Whew, shake out the jitters. Brr, brr. What do they do? What's in high school school? Ma, ma. Okay. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Nobody Asked for episode two. This episode is all about the girl behind the microphone, Jessie. Um, This episode, I'm really just going to talk about myself and tell you guys all about what has led me to this point in my life. So I hope you guys enjoy and let's get started. All right. So I guess to start off, um, just by saying that I had a very non-traditional life up until this point. I hope that that entices you to stay and hear a little bit about my childhood and my early adulthood life um, because it has been anything but normal, um, anything but non-traumatic at this point. So I hope you guys are excited to get kind of a deeper look into who I am. Um, I know, you know, all my Followers on TikTok, uh, they only see a portion of me. And if you are just now joining this podcast and have zero idea of who I am, this is a good episode to start with. I'm going to kind of just give you a rundown of my life thus far, um, and we will see kind of where it goes. So, to start off, um, it is the afternoon, and I am sitting, sipping some vitamin water with a little bit of Tito's vodka because I realized that the last episode I was a little nervous, a little, um, I just wasn't super comfortable talking to a microphone like I had said. So I thought if I drank just a little uh, bevy, it would kind of calm the nerves a little bit. I've only drank like three sips. Um, so I don't really know if it's doing anything yet. Um, all I have in my apartment is Tito's vodka. That's very old, and vitamin water. Recently, I've been on a vitamin water kick. I really like the, I don't even know what flavor it is. It's the tropical citrus one. It says it has caffeine and it says it's for energy. I don't think it does anything, but I also don't think coffee really does anything to me, even though I drink it like religiously. Um, So I'm drinking that with a little bit of Tito's vodka. Vodka definitely is not my drink of choice. Um, I think I slightly scarred myself during college drinking so much vodka and so much tequila that I truly just can't drink it anymore. So typically now I always go for beer. Um, I know there's like, I don't, I hate when people are like, oh, like you're a girl who drinks beer. Like you're such a pick me girl. Like you just want to be one of the bros. Like, no, I legitimately enjoy beer. Um, I, my favorites are Michelob Ultra, Blue Moon and Stella. Michelob Ultra is really like my favorite though. Um, So, typically, I just drink beer and wine occasionally. Personally, my favorite wine is the box wine that you get from Trader Joe's. Um, (laughs) If you've been sleeping on box wine, like, you are really missing out. I can't tell you, like, the amount of money I save by just buying boxes of wine because you get so much for your money. It's insane. So, anyway, enough talking about what I like to drink. Let's get into who I am and kind of what my life has looked like up until this point on May, what's today? May 6, 2022. Okay, so let's start off with the easy, slightly boring stuff. Um, My name is Jesse, and I was born on October 29th of 1997 in Las Vegas, Nevada. I was born to my mom, Jen, and my dad, Darby. I was their first kid, um, so I was the first sibling of us all. During the process of exiting my mom's vaginal canal, I had my arm, like, above my head, kind of wrapped around my head, and as I was exiting the threshold, I decided to stretch my arm and bring it back down, down my side, completely tearing my mom in two. Um, Also, when I was born, um, I think I had a pretty normal delivery. I probably should have asked my mom before I claimed that. But 10 days after I was born, I developed chicken pox, which is like, what the hell? Um, My mom got really sick while she was delivering me and broke out in like this rash sort of skin thing. I don't know if it was actually chicken pox, but 10 days after I was born, a few days after I was brought home from the hospital, I developed chicken pox. Many of you might not know about like little babies, but you know, a 10 day old newborn probably shouldn't be having chicken pox. Um, So it was kind of scary. A lot of people thought I was going to die. I don't know if they thought I was going to die, but they thought like it was very serious that I was 10 days old and I had chicken pox. Um, So I remember, well, I almost said so I remember. I don't remember this. I do not remember when I was 10 days old. Quite frankly, I don't remember most of my childhood, but that's because of trauma. But we'll get into that. Um, so I had to do like this cat scan and I had to go through all these procedures to make sure I didn't have brain damage or to make sure the chicken pox didn't, you know, affect my growth and affect me as a baby. Um, from what they found, they said I didn't have brain damage. They said I was all good. You know, you can be the judge of that. Um, but yeah. So after that whole fun thing, my life kind of was boring for maybe like a year. Um, so I... From what I know, I had a pretty normal like babyhood. Um, My dad worked a lot. So my dad worked in construction um, and he was gone really long hours every day. So he would leave the house for work before I was even awake and he would get home after I had gone to bed. So he worked really long hours in like different towns um, around Las Vegas, but I am a true Las Vegas person born and raised. I lived in Las Vegas from the time I was born to the time I went to college. I lived in the same house even um, from the time I was born until the time I moved away. So that was kind of interesting growing up in Las Vegas, but we'll kind of get into that as well. So about the time that I was two, my mom had my younger brother Jake. um, And soon after Jake was born, my parents got a divorce. So my parents divorced when I was very young. I have very limited memories of my parents ever being together. There's really only like one that sticks out in my mind that I can really remember just because I was so young. Um, So by the time I was two and a half, my parents had divorced. Um, My dad stayed in the house that I had been born in and my mom moved to a different house, uh, maybe like 15, 20 minutes away. I don't even know where to go from this. I don't want to get like really into I'm not talking to my therapist, like I'm talking to you guys. I don't need to like divulge every traumatic incident. Anyway, so pretty much from then until kind of my whole like elementary school school year life, um I went between both parents, so my parents split custody. Um I essentially honestly from the time I was a a toddler to the time that I was in high school they stayed at pretty much the same schedule so I was with my mom every Monday and Thursday with my dad every Tuesday and Wednesday and then every other weekend Friday through Sunday we would switch back and forth so that is kind of how I grew up you know my whole life um and I because I was so young when they got divorced and because I didn't really know what a cohesive mom and dad marriage family dynamic looked like. I didn't really think I was missing much. Of course, growing up with divorced parents was very tough and there were really, really hard times. And I think that my parents' divorce truly has influenced who I am today and made me a lot stronger. Um, It also made me have to grow up Quite fast. Um, So, since I was the older sibling out of my brother and I, I really took on the almost quote unquote caretaker role, um, the leader in the family with my brother and I. And I had to grow up quite fast. Um, You'll see just how much I really had to grow up um, as my years kind of progressed. So in elementary school, I went to this really tiny um, private elementary school. It was called Mary Hill Elementary in Las Vegas. I honestly only have good memories from that school. It was a very small, tight-knit school, um, and I absolutely loved it. I was there from the time that I was in pre-kindergarten. To fourth grade, um, and that was you know those times that that time in my life there was really nothing to worry about. I didn't really, I wasn't fully aware of kind of what was going on. You know, I was a kid, like I really didn't have to worry about anything. And I'm very thankful that my parents, even though they were divorced and even though they did not get along, they still don't get along. Um, that they. Semi sheltered that from my brother and I, at least while we were in elementary school. Um, so, kind of talking about my parents. Um, so my mom, Jen. Absolutely love my mom. My mom is one of the most thoughtful, sweet people in my life. She has really, really taught me like how to love. She has so much love in her heart. Um, she's really taught me like the importance of being thoughtful and the importance of like, going the extra mile for people. Um, And even today, like, a lot of my friends will say that I am the thoughtful friend. I always think about things. I, not to toot my own horn, I'm incredible at gift giving. Like, I am so good at gift giving. Every single person I've ever bought a gift for, like, I've never flopped on a gift, never flopped on a gift. Um, And I think, like, I attribute that to my mom. She's very thoughtful and just thinks about things a lot. Uh, My dad, Darby, my dad is very hard-headed, very strong-willed. He was very hard on me growing up, especially in like middle school. Um, He was always very hard on me, especially when it came to grades and to school. So my, neither of my parents um, went to college. My mom did a few classes at like a community college. I remember she told me she did like a handwriting class that made her handwriting really sloppy because the goal of the class was to basically write as fast as you could. And it made her handwriting really sloppy. I don't know why I remember that. Uh, My dad never went to college. He actually barely graduated high school. And there's a point to why I'm telling you this. I'm not shitting on my dad. My dad's an incredible human. So is my mom. Um, but he almost didn't graduate high school. He had like a 1.4 GPA. And it was his senior year, a few days before graduation. And my grandma actually went into the high school, the principal's office and said, look, like if you do not pass him, if he does not graduate in the next few days, he will come back. And the principal and everybody at school was like, oh, no, 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 we don't we don't want that. Um, my dad was kind of a troublemaker. Um, so they pushed him through. He ended up sitting next to the valedictorian at his graduation and cried the entire time. Oh, my gosh, I'm kind of getting emotional talking about this. But he ended up crying the entire time because he, he didn't think that he would graduate. So my parents met in high school. They were high school sweethearts. My mom was one year older than my dad, and my mom was, like, the typical nerdy kid. She worked in the secretary office of school. She had a mullet. She had these giant rose, you know, like the rose glasses that used to be really popular. Um, Just typical, like, nerdy girl. She had one friend. Um, when her friend was gone for the day, she would eat lunch in the secretary office or the school nurse's office, just a nerdy girl. Um, and then my dad was really into cars. So he was in like, I don't even know if like the school, I I always think of like the movie Grease. I love Grease. Grease is one of my favorite movies, but you know, Johnny Travolta and what's his name? Um oh my gosh, Kaniki. Well, I can't think of the actor's name, but Kaniki and Danny, they are really into cars. They're into shop Um, through high school. They all have these cool cars. They're always working on cars. That was my dad. My dad loved cars. He still does. Um, And so that was kind of the dynamic of their relationship. Um, There is one story that I want to tell quickly um, that really sticks out to me. So like I said, my mom was... year older than my dad. So my mom had her driver's license and a car um, when my dad did not. So they lived in a really small town in Apple Valley, California. Um, And one day (laughs) my dad decided to skip class, which was pretty normal for him. He hotwired my mom's car in the parking lot and just drove off, drove around town, did whatever he wanted to do. And my mom's I guess like family friend saw my mom's car driving around town during school hours and told my mom's parents. And they were like, your daughter's skipping school, yada, yada, yada. Come to find out it's literally my dad who hotwired her car. Um, and also just as a quick side note, my mom and dad met because my dad would miss class so much. He would get fake tardy slips from my mom who was working in the school secretary office to get out of class. So, yeah, that should probably tell you everything you need to know about them. So, my parents were high school sweethearts. Um, My mom's family and my mom's parents weren't super fond of my dad. My mom's dad really liked my dad because he really likes to work on cars and You know, my mom's side of the family. They every time I go and visit them, they live in Arizona now. Every time I go and visit them, they have this giant garage that's all been like tricked out. They they love NASCAR. They love baseball. um, They have a big TV in their garage. They love drinking Miller Lite. Like that's the vibe from my mom's side of the family. So every time my dad would go over to you know hang out with my mom, his girlfriend, he usually would end up in the garage with my grandpa. Um, So they ended up graduating and they moved to Phoenix, Arizona, where my dad attended UTI, which is Universal Technical Institute. It's basically like a mechanic school. So people who for, for cars and engines, you know, I'm not completely sure. He went to UTI. Um, Like I said, my dad had never gotten good grades. He was the kid who skipped class. He was the little rebellious kid. At UTI, he, you know, passed in flying colors. He, like, honestly gets emotional talking about it, that at UTI, like, he set all of these standards. He made all of these records. He got all of these awards for being such an amazing student at UTI, um, and that was because he was doing what he loved. Um, so, kind of around that time, my mom was, I think, like kind of doing some classes at the community college, and she ended up working at a bank. Um, and my mom stayed at that bank for until I want to say like four years ago, um, pretty recent that she quote unquote retired. Um, so, my mom started working at a bank. My dad graduated from UTI and started his own business. My dad is very much, you know, like I said, hard-headed, has this very strong entrepreneurial spirit. spirit. He has always said to me, like, if you want to make it in the world, you need to own your own company. You – like, he always says, I – can, can I can never work under a boss. I need to be my own boss. Um, and that's that's what he did. He created his own business. He got into construction. Um, and through all my life, he had various kind of different business ventures that he did. And he was very, very successful. So kind of wrapping around to why my dad was so hard on me with school is because he wanted my brother and I to have a good education to be able to get places much easier than he had So he didn't have a good education. He really had to make a name for himself and he didn't want my brother and I to go through that. So he was always very hard on us with grades in school. And we knew from a very young age that we were going to go to college. It wasn't really a question whether we were going to go to college or not. It was a question of where we were going because there was no question. Like the expectation was we would go to college after high school. Um, So Kind of after elementary school, around fourth grade, my dad decided to pull my brother and I out of our very small knit, pretty easygoing private school, and send us to a very well known private school for academics in Las Vegas. Um, this is kind of where it got a little rocky. I loved my elementary school and I was extremely shy as a kid, like painfully shy as a kid even into high school, I was so shy. Um, So making friends was not easy for me. Um, So when my dad ended up pulling us out of our school, sending us to this brand new school, I knew nobody, not one person. I didn't know one person. And I was starting in fifth grade. Now this school, it's called Las Vegas Day School. This school, like the kids have been going there since kindergarten until eighth grade. Like these kids have grown up together And I just got thrown in, in fifth grade. And everybody already had their friends. Like nobody was really looking for any new friends. So during my time at that school, it was really, really tough. Um, So like I said, I started in fifth grade. And I just remember like how sad I was. I hated it. Like and hating it is an understatement. I, you know, I grew up Like, I grew up comfortable. Like, I'm not afraid to say that my dad and my mom both worked so hard for my brother and I, especially my dad. Like, my dad was the one who funded all of the private education and who got me my first car when I was 16 and who paid for all these extra tutors when I was falling behind. Like, my dad worked his ass off to provide for my brother and I. And so, you know, we, like, we had a decent amount of money. I mean, we had enough money for my brother and I to get sent to this very prestigious private school, which um, I actually recently looked at their tuition because I was just curious now that I'm older and I work in education and I know what the value of education is, what the value of money is and kind of like how much private schools typically cost. Um, I looked the other day to see how much this school that I went to cost and it was $16,000 a year. Um, which might sound like a lot. And it, it it is a lot. It is a lot. Just from where I am at right now and in the schools that I'm working in, $16,000 is nothing, but we'll get into that. I'm also in New York City now, so it's a little different. So I was at this school from fifth grade to eighth grade. Probably, I will probably say they were the worst four years that I had gone through. Um, I had no friends. I had the most terrible self-esteem I truly, to my core, thought that I was stupid. This school was really hard, really advanced. I was going in as a fifth grader to like a seventh grade curriculum, and I was coming from a normal fourth grade curriculum. There were so many things I missed, so many things that I fell behind on, and I truly, truly, truly thought that I was stupid. And that made me so self-conscious. I had no self-esteem. I just like I can't even convey like I thought I was so stupid. Um, And, you know, the kids there weren't the nicest. Like they knew that I got bad grades and they knew that while all of them on free dress Fridays were wearing their brand new $400 true religion jeans, I was in my like trusty old Cole's jeans or Abercrombie jeans. And that was like I was an outsider to them. Um, so I was really never accepted at that school. Don't get me wrong. I did have a, I had like two friends throughout my four years there. Um, and I kind of became friends with the girls that were also kind of outsiders, um, and who hadn't gone there since they were in kindergarten, whose parents all, you know, weren't friends and didn't know each other. So I did have, um, one or two friends at a time that I was kind of able to be friends with um, just because we bonded over the fact that we were outsiders to a lot of the kids there. Um, So I'm not going to focus too much on that. Just know that it was a really hard time. Um, So come high school, my dad was very set on me going to another very, extremely prestigious high school um, that is honestly known across the entire United States. Um, it's called Bishop Gorman. It's in Las Vegas. It's extremely expensive. I don't even want to know how much it cost, um, but it is the top of the top in Las Vegas. It's honestly the top of the top for like the tri state area. Um, so he wanted me to go to Bishop Gorman. And all of the kids that I had gone to middle school with naturally we're going to bishop gorman that was kind of like the natural pipeline i said no way in hell am i doing that i was very set on i was not going there i i if i had such a hard time with these preppy Entitled kids. I'm not going to high school with them. It's not happening. So that was a big fight. Um, I remember my. I had to take an entrance exam to even get into Bishop Gorman, even though they they accept everybody as long as you have money and you're willing to pay for it. They'll accept you. So I took an entrance exam. Um, I literally answered every question wrong. Like I would look at the question, I would know the the answer, and I would put a different answer. I answered every single question wrong. Because in my head, I was like, if I bomb this entrance exam, like completely just bomb it, there's no way that I'd get in. But alas, they give us a call and they say, you know, her entrance exam scores were pretty, pretty below average, but we will accept her if you pay this extra amount for additional support and tutoring. And of course, my dad's like, all right, let's do it. I said, "Mm, no way in hell. After about a six-month fight, my dad finally agreed that I didn't have to go to Bishop Gorman. And instead of going to a normal public school, which is what I wanted to do, I could go to the new Career and Technical Academy that opened super close to our house. So I was okay with that. Um, it's considered like a magnet school or a charter school. Um, it's no tuition, but it is essentially a public school, but it focuses on certain career and technical skills. So there were different majors. There were like culinary, um, dental, uh, what else? Interior design, fashion design, graphic design, Um, automotive. uh, What else was there? A pre-nursing program, things like that. So I ended up getting in and I got accepted to the fashion design part of the school. Um, At the time, I don't really know if I was really into fashion design. Um, During this time, I I was really into YouTube. I feel like I was very early on YouTube, like with Juicy Star 07 and like the OGs, like twenty. 11 2012 like og youtubers um and that's when i started making youtube videos which is a whole other story um so i think i was thought i was kind of into fashion because of that um in hindsight like i did love like clothes and makeup and hair um but i never wanted to really go into fashion i never wanted to be a fashion designer really anything like that um so i went to high school for fashion design Um, And so since the school that I was at, they didn't have sports. Um, So if you went to that school, you would actually play sports at your quote unquote home school. So your home school, it was basically whatever public school you were zoned for. You got to play sports at that school. So in my case, my home school was Desert Oasis High School. Um, And I loved volleyball. I had played volleyball in middle school. Um, I was decent for the school. I think I was decent. Um, So I really wanted to get out of, I don't know if I wanted to get out of my comfort zone, but I knew I had to. So I ended up during the summer, I tried out for the public school's um, volleyball team. And I remember so vividly, I was so nervous. I thought I would get there and these girls would be so beyond my skill level and I wouldn't even have a chance. But I remember um, there was like a two-week intramural, um, practice that I didn't know about. So I showed up on tryout day. Um, this girl just walks in and all these other girls, like, I, I swear there's like 50 of them. Cause they were trying out at my school. They had a freshman team, a, what did they call it? A B team, which is like junior varsity and then a varsity team. So they had, there was like 50 girls all trying out for these three teams. I want to say there was more, um, and I and they'd all been together for the past two weeks, and I just sh- I just showed up. So I remember I was kind of there for a little bit. We did like our stretches, we did our warm ups, and then the freshman team coach came up to me and pulled me aside and asked if I had ever been a setter. I had never been a setter. Typically, I played back row. Um, I would try to play front row, and I would try to hit, but I wasn't. I just wasn't tall enough. Um, And I just honestly didn't have enough arm strength. Like I just wasn't great at hitting. I was good at hitting for my middle school level, but high school level, it just wasn't going to cut it. So he asked me if I had ever set. And I was like, no. And he was like, and then he, so I said, no, he gave me this volleyball and said, go over to that wall and set to yourself. So I went over to this wall and I was literally just setting the volleyball to myself for like 20 minutes. And he came over to me and he was like, okay, you made the team. You're going to be our setter. I was like, what? Um, And I remember there was like some animosity among other people who had been there for two weeks. And they were fighting to get a place on this team. And I walked in and they offered me the setting position. I think in hindsight, it was because nobody there was a setter either. And I had some sort of good setting hands at least my coach thought that, and he made me the setter. So joining that volleyball team was a really, really good choice for me. I ended up meeting a lot of great friends, and I actually ended up meeting my best friend still to to today, Maddie, um, and come to find out that Maddie also was going to the magnet school that I was at. I had no idea. So we became very close friends. Um, I remember every day either her mom or my grandpa would pick us both up from our magnet school, drive us to Subway to get lunch, and then drive us to the public school where we would have volleyball practice. Um, So we became really, really close. And Maddie is still one of my best friends today. Um, She's honestly one of the very few friends that I have kept for this long um all through high school and things and all through college. Um so I loved being on the volleyball team. Um being a setter was hard and I think I definitely struggled. I think especially because halfway through our season he ended up kind of picking someone else on the team to also be a setter and she very soon became the starting setter and I became the backup setter. So In hindsight, back then, it was super upsetting, and I was really, like, upset about it. Now thinking about it, I don't really give a shit. But anyway, regardless, um, I go through freshman year, and then come sophomore year, um, I ended up playing volleyball with that same school um, all through high school, with the exception of senior year. I did not make the team, um, so they offered me the, like, manager position for the new freshman team which I did. But honestly, at that point, I was a senior in high school. I had a boyfriend. I was kind of just like, yeah, I don't really, I didn't really, I didn't really take it too seriously. Um, so come sophomore year, um, I met a boy. I met a boy. I thought he put stars in the sky. I thought he was the most incredible, amazing man I had ever met. Soon after I developed this very strong obsession with him, we started dating. His name is Connor. I don't think anybody who knows Connor would be listening to this or Connor himself. But if they are on the very slim chance, I hope you're all doing well. Anyway, um, me and this boy started dating. Um, I was his first girlfriend. He was my first boyfriend. We were very much in like that high school puppy love. I... Truly, (laughs) to my core, thought I was going to marry this man. Looking back on it, that would have been a terrible mistake on my part and on his part. Um, But, you know, we had the typical high school relationship. We were in love. We were each other's first everything. Um, I remember I got my license. I got my car. We had all this new independence. It was so great. We were so in love um so that kind of we were together for over a year um was it the most healthy relationship no but we were also in high school and we didn't really understand what a healthy relationship was we were brand new to this whole thing so no hard feelings there um once we did break up i think i was a junior um i became a little crazy but you know i was six i was a 16 year old girl who thought i was gonna marry this kid like i didn't know like i i I didn't know how to handle breakups and to this day like that breakup was the hardest breakup I've ever gone through. I think your first heartbreak is terrible. Like I will be the first one to say that like heartbreak and breakups are the worst, most excruciating pain an individual can feel. Like honestly, like it is so hard and so every time I know someone who's like going through their first heartbreak or their first breakup, like I – feel for them so much because I remember how low I felt and how terrible about myself. I felt like I was not in a good place for a long time. Um, And it honestly took me eight, nine, ten months to get over that initial heartbreak. Um, And even after that, like the feelings of rejection and the feelings of the breakup, they carried over for a long time. Um, And it's not that – He was this, I mean, he is, he was a great guy and I'm sure he's an even better guy now, but just the fact that like, it was my first love, like that really hurt when your first love ends. Um, So uh, junior year, senior year, kind of just hung out. (laughs) Um, I ended up meeting another boy who was uh, quite a bit older than me, um, That I ended up dating. His name's Paris. Again don't think Paris is listening to this, but if he is, I wish him all the best. Paris is honestly a really great guy. Um, So I met Paris through some family friends that I had. Um, Growing up kind of through elementary school, very early on, um, the house that I lived in was in a cul-de-sac. If you don't know what a cul-de-sac is, it's basically like a little circle street with like four houses on it. That was the worst description of what a cul-de-sac is. But anyway, so I lived on a cul-de-sac with just four other houses and the house catty corner to me, um, a family moved in and they had two sons, Devin and Dalton, um, Devin and Dalton were about around the same age that my brother and I were, and they had gone to the same elementary school as us. So we became really close with that family at the time. It was just my brother, my dad and I, and we became really close with their family. Um, and we honestly, stayed very close all through elementary school, all through middle school, all through high school um, until kind of some shit hit the fan. But I'll get into that. Um, So I had met Paris through essentially Devin and Dalton. Um, I really, really loved my high school friend group. I think I had a very dynamic high school friend group um, because I knew Devin and Dalton. And we had some other neighbors, Kyle and Cody, who were a little older than us we were really able to, like, create a really nice friend group of both boys and girls, which I think back then was kind of unheard of. I mean, even now, like, I don't have a lot of guy friends. I think that it's just, like, I don't know. I think that, how do I say this? I think that it's hard to create, you know, friendships with boys and girls, especially in high school, because, you know, when you're in high school, like, you're horny. All you want to do is put your penis in someone. So it's kind of hard to create platonic friendships at that age. At least I think, at least when I was in high school, it was hard for me and a lot of, you know, the, my classmates and peers around me. Um, So it was a really nice friend group. Um, I remember my dad would always, like, love to have everybody over. We had a fire pit. We had a barbecue. We had a pool. Like, my dad's house was the place to be. It was, like, the party house. Um, we, we never drank, though, which is so funny to me to think, like, I didn't drink all through high school until my senior year. Like my dad had this party house. All my friends would always come over and like we were like soberly having so much fun, which is funny to think about. Like we weren't like the typical, you know, euphoria, you know, shooting up and drinking at these high school parties. Like we were literally just like vibing with ourselves. So my high school experience, I would say, was pretty good. Um, I had a lot of great friends. Um, I had a lot of shitty friends as well. But the friends that I have kept from high school were the very true, real, genuine friends that I had back then. And I still have them now. Um, I, I didn't keep up too much with Too many people from high school once I left for college, but the ones that do stick out to me are Maddie, of course, and then my three friends, Alexis, Tots, and Morgan, who I was friends with in high school, who we still, I mean, even though we all live different places, um, two of them live in Vegas still, one just moved to Washington, I wanted to say Denver. Did she moved to Washington. She moved to Seattle. She moved to Washington. Oh my gosh, I can't remember. And I live in New York City. So we don't see each other a lot, but we do, you know, all make an effort to keep up and kind of just stay involved in each other's lives. Um, and then I also had a lot of not great friends that I, once I left for college and kind of got out of my hometown, I realized that they weren't great friends and they weren't really supportive of me and they weren't really there for the best interest. They were just there and they were my friend because it was convenient for them. Um, so I quickly cut out a lot of people from high school, um, that I don't talk to even, even now. Um, but yeah, high school, it was, it was good. Um, so kind of the, the kicker of my high school experience, um, is something that it's not necessarily hard to talk about, but it is very personal to me that I don't talk about a lot. My closest friends, you know, know, um, but it's not something. And even like on TikTok, like I I do. I honestly don't know if I've ever really talked about it on a social media platform. And I'm sure there's people from my hometown and from high school and from college that either do know this. And there's a lot more that probably don't. Um, so I'm going to briefly talk about it just because I do want to share it because it it does still affect me to this day, and it it was a big thing for me, and it it really has made me who I am today. But I don't really think that it's necessary to really like dive into right now. Um, if you know, in the future, I feel like it's necessary, and there's people who would benefit from it. I am I'm so happy to do that. Um. So. When I was in high school, kind of like the later years of high school, junior year and senior year of high school, my dad developed a drinking problem um, and he was an alcoholic. Um, So it made living at my dad's house very turbulent. Um, I often like remember the feelings of just not feeling safe there, um, feeling very uneasy, very anxious all the time um, because my dad drank so much. And that's not to say like, my dad is an incredible person. I grew up very close to my dad. I'm still very close to my dad, Um, but he had a problem. Um, Addiction is a disease and it affects a lot of people without, you know, and sometimes it affects these people. These people don't know that they have a problem. And a lot of times their family members don't realize they have a problem. So for a long time, um, I think I tried to protect my dad. So like I said, it was just me, my brother, and my dad living at this house. Um, While like we were very close to my dad's parents, my grandma and my papa, who I'm still super close with, um, they didn't see it. And I think that a big part of me tried to protect my dad and hide it from them, hide it from my brother. I very much took a nurturing mother role with my younger brother um, and protected him from everything. I thought that since I was the older sibling, it was my job and my responsibility to take care of this. Um, So for a long time, I I remember coming home from school and there was a half-drank sky vodka bottle and I'd dump it down the sink because I didn't want my dad drinking anymore. Um, but there's probably like a three or four month period where it got, the drinking got very heavy. Um, there would be times where my brother and I would come home from school on a Tuesday. My dad would be at home in his room with the door locked and we wouldn't see him until the following, you know, Saturday or Sunday. Um, So it, it did really affect me. I think that back then I was, since I was in high school, I was doing volleyball. I had this boyfriend, I had this new car, I had all this independence. I really didn't, I didn't really focus on it much. I was really, you know, I was really caught up in what I was doing. Um, and my dad was never violent to my brother or I, um, he never, you know, put a hand on us. There were times where he'd get, you know, extra angry and yell at us for our grades, but I never felt unsafe with my dad. Um, I felt just uncertain and I felt very anxious being there just because I never knew what I was walking into. And kind of going off of that, during that time, I began to get really anxious about my dad's health. Um, so there was a time when I was in middle school that my brother and I were home and we were both in our rooms, kind of in the back of the house. And I heard a large, a large, I heard a really loud bang. So I went out into like our, um, entryway and my dad was having a seizure in the entryway. At the time I was in, I want to say I was in sixth grade. I was 12, maybe 12 That was extremely jarring for me, seeing my dad having a seizure, running back to my room and calling 911 on my little like juke phone. I had a little blue juke phone calling 911. It was a very jarring experience for me. So after that, I it that solo event really, really affected me. And I didn't realize how much it affected me until I had grown and gone to college and really, like, started doing the work with therapists and with counselors to kind of understand where my anxieties come from, and that was a really, really big one. I mean, like, my dad was my everything, and to see him in such a scary, vulnerable state of having a seizure, like, so disoriented i remember he tried to go up the stairs and i i was like holding him like saying no no no! don't go up the stairs like just sit down and i remember him just looking at me and my eyes like and he truly had no idea where he was or who i was it was a very jarring experience um so kind of after that i was always so anxious about my dad i had this i wouldn't even say it was an irrational fear i had this fear that my dad was going to die Um, there would be times where he'd be sleeping on the living room couch and throughout the night I would leave my room and go and check to make sure he was still breathing. Um, I was just a very anxious kid when it came to that. Um, so, (laughs) um, yeah, I mean, that's really all I have to say on that. Um, since high school, my dad has gotten help. My dad has. Ha, my dad went to rehab after some kind of major incidents that happened my senior year. Um, he's been clean since I was a senior in high school. So for about six years, he's been clean, has not had one sip of alcohol. And I'm, ve- I'm very, very proud of him. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my high school experience. Moving into college, um, college was the best time of my life. It was the first time that I was independent. I left my hometown. I wasn't, I didn't really feel like the glue of my family anymore. I think growing up, I was always the glue. Even my grandparents, my with my brother, with my mom, my dad, I was always the glue. I was always the middleman. And at the time, I didn't realize how much that was affecting me until I went to college. And I was able to get out of that. And I was able to just have my own life and be my own person. And I got to decide what I did every day. It was it was amazing. So I ended up going to the University of Arizona in Tucson. It was my dream school. I had visited there. I wanted a big school with sports and with sorority. And I just wanted like all of these opportunities because I felt like up until then, I hadn't really had a lot of big opportunities like that. So I went to school. Um, I ended up doing sorority rush, and I joined a sorority. So I joined Alpha Delta Pi. If any of my 80 Pi sisters are out there, Pi love. Um, the the single-handedly best decision I've ever made in my life that really has changed me so much. So like I said before going to college, I was super shy, very anxious joining my sorority and going to college, like I had a 180 transformation. I was not the same person. I became extremely involved. I ended up having leadership positions in Pie throughout my four years. I was on the executive board. Like I really went out of my comfort zone. Um, and you know I made new friends I met all these new people I made friends from my sorority that I'm still friends with now that are my best friends that I know like I know will be in my wedding um just such amazing friends that became roommates that you know were just they were and am- I had such an amazing support system in college and i and I honestly can only attribute that to joining a sorority now don't get me wrong like, joining a sorority had its ups and downs. Um, Anytime you put 300 girls together, there's going to be drama, there's going to be problems. But even looking back on it, like it was it was such a great decision. And I have so many amazing memories from it. I ended up my sophomore year of college living in the sorority house. So I lived with 50 other girls, um, which was a lot of fun. At, At the end, I wasn't cut out for it. I don't think that I was in a great place mentally. And I just wasn't in the best place to be living with 50 girls where you constantly have to be on. You constantly have to be friendly and happy and want to talk to people. Like it, I, I just, it wasn't for me. Um, so something fun that happened my freshman year of college, I met a boy. So I met this boy named Casey. Um, and Casey and I ended up dating for majority, if not all, of college. Um, now, don't get me wrong. It was not a solid. We started dating and we just it was a great relationship all the way until graduation. It was very, very off and on. Um, a lot of times they, there was a lot of breakups and get backs to and breakups. And then like, actually, I think I want to be with you. Yeah, it was it was definitely off and on. Um, and at the time, it was really hard because, again, I thought I was going to marry this boy. Um, and Casey is an incredible, incredible human, um, and I and I really thank him for kind of experiencing college with me because he did teach me a lot, and like, re- and he really did. He he really taught me a lot. He really got me out of my comfort zone, and yeah, he taught me a lot. So I, I have nothing but good things to say about Casey and really any of my exes. Um, so yeah. That was kind of college. Um, College was great. I kind of want to do like a separate podcast all about my college experience. So I don't want to like, you know, go too in detail. But college was amazing. Um, My senior year was when COVID happened. So February of 2020 was when I was a senior. I only had a few months left and very suddenly my whole school shut down. I lost my job. I was working at, well, I guess I didn't lose my job, but it was severely like hours were severely cut in half for a while. Um, I worked at a little like restaurant bar down on university. It's called Gentle Ben's Brewing. It was a lot of fun. Um, and all of my friends who were back home or places for spring break, they just never came back. And I was, I came back because for me, like Tucson, Arizona was my happy place and I didn't really want to be back home. You know, I love my family so much, but I just didn't really want to be stuck at home and quarantine with my family. I would much rather be stuck in Tucson essentially by myself in my apartment, but still around some people that I really, really enjoyed. So I spent majority of quarantine and majority of like those first COVID months in Tucson by myself. All three of my roommates were at home. Um, And I just kind of hung out. Uh, It was hard at the time, but looking back on it, I, I think it was really nice for me I really got to focus on finishing out school. I got to like start a lot of new hobbies that I didn't really necessarily have time for. And I just got a lot of like me time. I just I was able to kind of reflect on my college years. I also was going through a really hard time with my family at this point because of some events that had happened while I was in high school. My dad actually... Um, went to jail in February of 2020. Sorry, that was kind of like a zinger. I just threw in there. My dad ended up going to jail um, kind of abruptly. Nobody really saw it coming, especially him. Um, so, you know, having a parent that goes to jail, I never realized the gravity of it. And um, and I've really found a new, you know, respect for children with incarcerated parents through this. Um, my dad is still in jail. He—it's been over two years. Um, we are very hopeful for his release soon, um, but just with the Department of Corrections system, it's a very broken system, um, and it's hard to kind of know when when he will be released. Um, I'm still very close to him. The past two years have been extremely hard on him, myself, my grandparents, my whole family. It's been a very hard adjustment, as you can Im- imagine. Um, but yeah, when that was happening, I was, I was at this apartment all by myself with my dog, Miller. Um, and I was really just able to kind of I guess self-reflect is really the best word. Like even though it was extremely hard and I was so lonely, I really think I found myself within those few months of being so alone. Like I had never been that alone in my life. Um, so fast forward a little bit. Um, I end up quote unquote graduating from college. It was a virtual graduation, which really sucked. Um, but, you know, you know, in hindsight, it was just a small thing. Um, So after that, I ended up moving to Scottsdale, Arizona, which is about two hours north of Tucson. Um, And I kind of started my first post-grad year of my life. So I realized I kind of missed um, a big chunk of my journey in telling you guys, I guess, like what my major was in college, what I wanted to do for a career, what my passions were. I kind of missed that part. So. I majored in human development and family studies in college. Um, I always knew from a very, very young age that I wanted to help people. Um, I've just always had, okay, my dog is chewing on a bone. I really, really hope you guys can't hear it. It's kind of distracting though. Maybe I'll put on my headphones. (laughs) So I always knew from a very young age that I wanted to help people when people asked me when I was younger what I wanted, what I wanted to be when I grew up. I said a therapist, a psychologist, a teacher, something like that. Um, so the major human development and family studies was kind of like a broad major into everything I was interested in. I learned about everything from birth to death and the lifespan, the development of the lifespan, everything like i learned about i learned about family relationships and dy- dynamics you know couple relationship dynamics dynamics early childhood development adolescent development adulthood a- development and even you know older adulthood development i learned about a lot um i wasn't quite sure what i wanted to do Um, Until I was in, I think I was a junior and we had a panel discussion and one of the panelists was a school psychologist. Um, After hearing her talk and after meeting her and doing my research, I realized that school psychology was exactly the field that I wanted to go into. I wanted to work with kids who were for the most part, not mainstream kids. I wanted to work with kids who, you know, struggle with learning disabilities, mental health adversities, cognitive delays. Like I wanted to do that. Um, I also left out that my mom ended up remarrying when I was about seven or eight and I had two stepbrothers um, come and join my little family, Evan and Ethan. One of my stepbrothers is on the autism spectrum. And from a very early time I was I took a very strong interest in him because I felt like I could understand him and I just he definitely just like showed me that I wanted to work with kids on the spectrum. I thought it was so interesting most of my time in college any time I had to do a research paper or a debate or a discussion it always somehow came back to autism spectrum disorder. Um, And I still am like that today. I'm very interested in it. I do a lot of research on it. I want to learn more and more about it. I love working with kids and adults on the spectrum. That's definitely my passion. So I originally was going to go to grad school for school psychology. I took my GRE, I took all of these prep courses, I interviewed, I submitted applications, I did curriculum vitals. I did the whole nine yards to get into grad school right after college. So my my top dream school was the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. and then all of a sudden when COVID happened, I was like, I can't see myself moving all the way to Chicago where I don't know anybody and doing virtual school. Like I just, that that that's not what I wanted to do. So I ended up just deferring all of my acceptances and I was kind of like, you know what, instead I'm going to take a year off because I, I don't really want to start my graduate school journey in the middle of COVID. So I ended up moving to Scottsdale with one of my friends, Cammie, from college. We got an apartment together, um, and it was awesome. I, it was my first year post-grad. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I really, really wanted to work in a psych hospital. So I found this psych hospital in Chandler, Arizona. I basically cold emailed them, sent them my resume, and was like, I don't really know what positions you have open, but if you have anything that looks like I would be a good fit, like, I'd love it. I got the job as an adolescent case manager working in the social work department, Um, and I really, really loved it. It was an inpatient behavioral health hospital, and I was working with kids from 12 to 18, essentially. I really loved it, Um, but because it was my first 9 to 5, and because of the nature of the work and being in social work, being at an inpatient facility, it was really hard. at times also scary I also just coming from my background and having experience and working with children and adolescents who you know have behavioral health problems I didn't agree with a lot of the things that they did Um, and because of that fact that I just didn't agree with a lot of their values I didn't end up staying too long I was there for about six months. Um, which I am very glad that I ended up leaving. I think that it would have been very easy for me to kind of keep my head down. And if I were to do that, I, I wouldn't be proud of who I am today. And I wouldn't have been proud of the work I did there. I, I truly think that I did the best work I could. Um, but at the end of the day, fundamentally, they had different values and beliefs when working with children and adolescents than I did. Uh, personally, I think my values are better and right. But anyway. Um, so after that, I kind of did some, like, oddball jobs here and there. I worked with um, in respite care with um, an adolescent girl who had cognitive delays, and then I also worked as a server at a restaurant, which I really love working as a server. I make so much money as a server, so I really loved it. Um, but at the end of the day, while I was living there, I just was not feeling fulfilled, and I felt like something was missing. And I knew deep down in my heart what was missing is that I didn't live in New York City. From a very, very young age, my dream was to move to New York City. I told all my friends, all my family, I'm gonna live in New York City one day. And truthfully, I don't think one person believed me. Let me tell you, I'm sitting in my New York City apartment right now, recording this podcast. So that's all I gotta say. Mic drop. Anyway, so I felt like something was missing. Um, And I decided that the next year after I finished my summer job, um, the past four summers, I had worked at a summer camp in Pennsylvania um, for kids who have social, emotional, and behavioral disorders, essentially. Um, That experience in itself was amazing. Um, I absolutely love that place. I love the kids. I've made so many connections through the kids, through the staff, through the parents, Um, the, you know, directors at that camp really, really believed in me and I was able to be, you know, the unit leader last year. And I oversaw this, all of the kids on camp, all of the boys on camp that were under 15. At one point I was overseeing 80 kids and 25 staff members and while, like, the work was extremely hard, um, there was not a lot of work-life balance because work is your life. Like, you'd like, you're at a sleepaway summer camp. Like, that is your life. Um, and it was hard. I really am thankful for those four summers and that experience. Unfortunately, my time there came to a rather abrupt and not very desirable end, which is Personally, I'm not too ready to talk about. It's still something that I'm struggling with. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Um, so after I was spent my year in Scottsdale, I was like, you know what? I'm done making decisions for other people. I am gonna make a decision for myself, and I want to move. I want to live in New York City. I don't want. I don't want to live in Arizona anymore. So that's what I did. I essentially sold and gave away and donated. I'd say 80% of my belongings. Um, And I packed up my car. I had a Jeep, red Jeep Wrangler at the time, and drove home to Vegas, unloaded all my stuff, went to my summer job in Pennsylvania, came back to Vegas, packed up all my stuff again, found an apartment in New York City, and took a one way flight to New York City. And that was in September. And here I am. (laughs) Um, So this past, Six, seven months of being in New York City has been hard, but it's been really, really amazing. Uh, My life has changed a lot. My life, the way my life looks like right now, I would have never thought my life would ever look like this. Um, I ended up meeting this girl named Olivia. We knew each other from summer camp um, and were co workers for four summers, uh, but she had also moved to New York City around the same time I did. And to be honest, something just clicked with both of us um, and some, it just felt very right. So Olivia is now my girlfriend, right? A shock. I would have never thought that I would have had a girlfriend if I'm being completely honest. Um, but something just clicked with her and it still does every single day. Um, she is one of the most amazing people I know and i'm so 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 lucky to share my life with her and we have a really strong happy relationship and she makes me feel very safe and secure and i i i truly really do love her so 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 much and she's really made this new york city experience for me um so yeah that's kind of where i'm at right now that was kind of the podcast telling you all of the things not all the things A select few of the things that have made me who I am today and have put me in this chair in my New York City apartment with this big microphone in my face recording the second episode of Nobody Asked. I feel like I have been talking for so long. I actually have to stop and get ready soon because I'm going to an event. It's not really an event. I'm going to a bar mitzvah to, like, watch some kids. So, like, I'm getting paid to go. But I'm kind of excited. It's my first bar mitzvah. Um, I don't know what I'm wearing yet, but I'm kind of excited. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I thank you all so, so, so much for listening. And I thank you for coming back after my first kind of cringy, awkward episode. I'm sure this one um, didn't sound as natural as I wanted it to, but I hope that, you know, with more and more episodes that I record, it gets better. If you guys have any suggestions or requests of things you want me to talk about next on my podcast, please let me know via my TikTok or my Instagram. I'll put both links and social media handles in the description. But other than that, I hope you guys have the best day, the best night whenever you're listening to this. And I will talk to you guys in my next episode. Bye.